Bocha came came up to me this week and he complained about his roommate. He says he spends all his time um, watching movies. And as a result, he's not able to... He's worried about him. And as heard from someone else, what is, his, what is the issue? The issue is that He's bullshit. He's bored. He's just bored. He finds absolutely everything boring. And I think that this problem is not a pratistic problem in regard to this particular person, but I think boredom in Yiddishkeit has become a major factor, which has become to the degree that it's um, it almost plays a role. There's a, there's a new phenomena, phenomenon now that people leave Yiddishkeit not because they not because they have issues with Ashkofa, because they have issues with Emuna, but rather they leave Yiddishkeit because they feel that they are bored. They just can't be bothered. They feel that there's doesn't give them anything. There's no chiyus, and they just have got better things to do. Now I'd like to trace the context of that problem in light of what we're talking about, and in, in light of what we're trying to figure out in terms of our own avoiding memory in Zikorin. So if you, if you think about it, we framed it in the, fo- in the following two ways. We framed it that there's two, essentially, there are two different types of Zikorin that a person could have. The one type of Zikorin that a person can have is the Zikorin HaMusak. When a person grabs, you chap something, we said, when a person chaps something, so the, the zikoren, as the Ramchal says in Akdoma, the Ramchal says that the whole tachlis of the Sefer is to create a connection between an obvious gap. So the entire focus of the Sefer is to create, they know it, the information is all there. The problem is there's a breakdown in the information getting to my maizim. What happens is that there's somehow there's a shikha. I, uh, to the degree that the information is well known, to the degree that the concept is a vital concept, to that degree it won't be integrated into life because the koyacha shikha interrupts the koyacha zikoran. And we then went on to say that the there are there's different components to this koyacha zikoran and what makes the connection happen. The connection happens, the, 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 the connection between, let's say, the zikoran and the maisa is created through a three-step process in the words of the Ramchal. He begins by saying that if the point of the book would be teach you new information, so reading through it once would be sufficient. But since it's not to teach you new information, it's to allow you to get to the information you already know. The This book is going to be productive only if it's read and reread and reread consistently. Then he goes on and he says most people who invest their intellectual energies do so in the sciences and in the Chochmas Torah. But no one spends time in this point of Torah, the Ava, the Yira, the Dvekus, the Tikkun that's not where the Chochmah is employed. 
and if you don't deploy the Chochmah in that area, you can never understand it, never move forward with it, and therefore no one can really move forward in the Avodah Hashem. And he seems to completely neglect the point that he began with, which was, the information is known, but it needs to be repeated. So seemingly he starts off by saying, the information is a given, but the way you access it is through repetition consistently. And then he goes and he says, the information, even though there's a notion of what it is, but unless you explore it, investigate it, understand the lambdas, understand the applications, nothing will happen. So it seems as if he's departed from his original point. The original point was repetition. The subsequent point was study. What we said last week was that there's in fact both are crucial elements that there are three components to the Ashpah that the Limud can have on the Midas. Because the Ramchal is making a very revolutionary Mahalach in terms of Tikkun Amidas. Normally one would have thought that Tikkun Amidas happens in an environment, and it certainly does. When a person's put to an emotional experience, or he's demanded of some type of practical demand, and he lives up to the occasion, so his Midas come to the fore. With the Ramchal, we'll have to see how the relationship between how the Seichel formed Midas and how the world formed Midas, which in turn forms Seichel. But at this point in time, the Ramchal's essential presentation is that the Tikkun HaMidas can be created through the Seichel. How do you create Tikkun HaMidas through Seichel? He says, essentially, there are three components. The one component is the Chochmah behind the particular Midas that you're understanding. You're trying to understand. A person goes into what is Ava? What do the Gidre Ha'ava? Where does Ava begin? Where does Ava end? So when a person does that, so he's able to grasp the depth of Ava, the lambdas of Ava. When he grasps the lambdas the lambdas of Ava, so then he has the capacity to understand how it works. That's not enough. That's the, that's the concept. Once you have the concept, you have to flesh out the concept and translate it into Maisim. How does that manifest itself? I understand there's such a thing as Avas Hashem, but what does that mean? So then it could mean Tefillah, it could mean Mesiris Nefesh, it could mean a variety of different things. And even those things have to be, have to be detailed. So it means, Mesiris Nefesh means that even though I'm tired, I wake up in the morning, but his love was to go to Tefillah. So it's the Tzuras HaShkoma Min HaMita. It becomes a Prat of a Prat. In other words, you have the notion, the idea, the concept, you translate into the action. Says Ramchal, that's what the Chochmah is about. But then, what happened with the Chazor and Asmada? The Chazor and Asmada, is, the book is designed to teach you the understanding and the application. So why do you need the Chazor and Asmada? What we said last week was that the Chazor and Asmada is the Kesher to the idea. That it's not enough to know and it's not enough to understand how to apply. You have to have a constant Kesher to the idea. Knowledge and understanding will not affect Midas. But the constant Chazora Nasmada, which creates the knowledge and the application in the forefront of a person's mind, whereby you can see it as it happens. So those two koiches combined with the constant going over, then it becomes integrated that when you think about doing something, you weigh it up according to those principles. And by weighing it up according to those principles, you make actions which will be otherwise direct in different directions in the direction that they should be. And therefore the change is incorporated into the person. That's called the Tikkunamidus. That's what we said was called concept memory, which has three components to it. There's the Chokhmah of the understanding, the lambdas, there's the binah of the application, and there's a kesha which comes through the das of constantly going over and over and over again. 
Then we say there's a comp- there seems to be a different mahalach as well in, in Zikaran. And that is what we saw from the Ramban that lists as a love, the, there's an isur to forget Muhammad Har Sinai, to forget the details of Muhammad Har Sinai. And what we suggested was as follows, just as concept memory causes us to decide differently in terms of what to do and how to do it, when the reality approaches us and we are subject to making a decision, the concept memory informs our decision in the right direction. We don't neglect the values that we hold dear. In fact, we incorporate them into our behavior. That's called midas. If it's a value of chesed, it becomes a mice of chesed. What the concept, that's a concept memory. What the event memory does is it creates a different dynamic even once the decision to do the act has been made. The, cons- the event memory is the, is the internal, the mental environment where, in which the action takes place. So the, Ram- the Ramban says that the crucial nat- nature of Zechiris Mahmud Sinai, having that as a constant vivid picture in your mind, transforms your Asiyah mitzvahs and your Limitator to a completely different degree. Because we know that a memory of an event or a memory of what someone did to you, what you did to them, whether it be for better or for worse, if they did something horrible to you or they did something kind to you, those memories impact the way you relate to them. And if you have a vivid memory in your mind of a person that did something extremely kind to you whilst you're engaging with them, that enhances the love and the togetherness between you. If you have a vivid expression, memory in your mind of someone that did something really nasty to you and now they're asking for, you, for a favor and that memory springs to your mind, it becomes almost impossible not to be over because you just want to punch the person in the face. So the... the event memory, having that vision in your mind, that vivid picture of what occurred, then modifies the act in which it takes place. That's the mental environment which frames your maizim, and that completely gives a different quality to the maizim. So it means that the two components that we've discussed so far, of concept memory and of event memory, influence the way you choose, and then the way that act comes into being. The the, the nature of that, the medium, the quality, and the, the more invested a person is with these two components of zikoring, the more multicolored and multidimensional the maisa is. So what Mahargosha is, and we'll take this a little bit further, Mahargosha is that the tremendous um, Nisoyan that we face in this door is that Dafka, those two koiches are the koiches that the, that the outside world threatens in the deepest possible way. The koich of his bonus and iun and then repetition is a very um, non-technological way of processing. Because now technology creates an availability of all information at all times, the notion of living with an idea internally has become a rather foreign concept. So first of all, you could say that there's a lack of iun, hamoka, but those are koiches which aren't necessarily lacking. There are many clever people that put a lot of time into deeply understanding things and coming to conclusions. But there seems to be, but those conclusions can be stored. There's no notion of living with an idea and allowing it to stew and develop as broadly promulgated in the world. So 
that is one threat which the world outside serves to take us away, maybe in a less overt sense. In a very overt sense, the world threatens the event memory because the external bludgeoning of imagery in the visual sense is so overwhelming wherever we look. There's such a strong access to visual information. Even if it's your new kosher phone with its touchpad, they can't be and do anything. But it gives some type of kick out of the fact that you can now touch the numbers as opposed to exactly where the kick lies. But there lies a kick. But the, the technology threatens to take away the koiches hazikoren. Because how can you possibly compete with a three-dimensional image which you can put in the earphones and experience from without so that creates a crutch and a wheelchair that carries you through and you have no of your own. So when you have no of your own and you have no capacity to be mimic, so then inevitably your actions will be absolutely bereft of any life or passion. They can't have heels to them. Because the components which introduce chius into your maisa are not components that you can access. So Mimela, what happens is that your daily performance of mitzvahs and avoda becomes a by-road thing that you do today because you did it yesterday. But there's no, there's no, there's no vitality, there's no vigor to what you can do because the koiches which introduce the vigor and the vitality are severely lacking. Because you're not, when you open up a Gemara, you're not standing in front of Hasinai. You have a vague recollection, which is a non-accessible memory, that the Ramban says that there's a loisa say that you should never ever forget Mahmoud Hasinai. And that's just a piece of information locked in your brain. But you don't stand there, and as you're about to open the Gemara, you have this notion of standing at the bottom of Hasinai. And you start to hear it's silent, it's absolutely silent, and then you start to hear this shofar blasting. But it's the loudest shofar ever heard. And it starts off slowly, and it gets louder and louder and louder. And the earth is trembling from the vibrations. You feel the vibration, your entire body is shaking. And then the, the, the brocking is, the, the lightning starts to. And then at the climactic point where every single two years, that's such a, that there's such a, a, a life-taking experience because the Neshama has left the Gulf. It's the ultimate experience that anyone could ever possibly conceive of having. And when you open up a Gemara and you say, these words come from there, those words, that, that's, that's the process of the transmission. We'll explore this now a little bit further. If you don't, if you don't have that, so then yeah, that's what Torah is. Torah is a piece of information put onto a piece of paper that you try to understand what it says. It doesn't have a mental environment. It's the difference between, as we illustrated last week, drinking, sipping a coffee in an idyllic location on the edge of a cliff overlooking the sea at sunset and you gently sip the coffee, the scotch, a drink of your choice, and drinking that same drink as, you, as you're hustling between a train station to another. You're drinking the same drink, the drink remains the same. The mice is the same. But the context completely transforms the pu'ula into a different pu'ula. So if we don't create a context for our mitzvahs, so the mitzvahs remain bland and completely without any time. That's the... Now, let's go this one step further. I've written there's a whole mahalach in the pratim of what Maimad Har Sinai did. The Mechilta says that what Maimad Har Sinai did is it introduced Busha into the Jewish people. 
It says, Lavur tia yirosoi al pneichem, that the yira will be on your faces, and the mechilta says, Zuabusha, that after Mahamad Har Sinai, through Mahamad Har Sinai, we have the capacity to be embarrassed to go red if we do an Avera. Without Mahamad Har Sinai, there would have been a yira. A yira means that there's a fear and an awe, a trepidation, when a person is involved in the Maitha Avera, and the pain if he experiences the fact that he was over an Isu. The bush is this feeling of embarrassment, that how could I? Now the shine is from what is busha, what creates the embarrassment, and how is that related to Har Sinai? There's an interesting machlokas rishonim, and there are two what we would call extreme shitters of the Rebbeinu Yonah and Tosis that both categorize the isur of Halbanas Ponim under shvichus um, domin, under murder. That they both say that, that embarrassing someone in public, Malbim Pnei is considered a Bizrahu to Shvichus Domim. And consequently, if a person was, a gun was put to his head and he had a choice of embarrassing someone or giving up his life, he would have to give up his life instead of embarrassing the person because it's no different than if someone gave him a gun and said, Kill him or I kill you, which is a pillar atom. How can that be? First of all, that's some an interesting thing. That's just to be madgish. I'm not suggesting that anyone is no like this Lemaisa. Consult <laughs> your own competent halachic authority if it becomes a gay Lemaisa. But what's the Chumras Hadavar Malbim Pnechavere? Where does it lie? And the Gemara says, Dafka the Azil Sumkova Asachivra. The person goes red and then the blood is drained from his face and it becomes white. It's the first question. The second question is that there are two terms used to describe the killing of a life. The one is murder and the other one is killing. When you refer to the killing of a non-human, it's always referred to as killing, slaughter. Whereas the only time you use the word in English or in Hebrew, it's the difference between hariga and retiche. In English, you also have a difference between murder and killing. Murder is used specifically in connection with another human being. So the, the two expressions refer to two different types of killing. Then there's another third expression which is used to describe killing, which is shvichus domim. And the Maharal asks, shvichus domim, is seemingly an inappropriate description of many types, of many forms of murder. Shvichus Domim would be an appropriate way to describe a person that's stabbed to death because what you're doing is through the thrusting of the knife into the person's body, blood spills out. So you can understand Shvichus Domim is an appropriate expression. But when you think about strangulation or burning or any other type of murder which doesn't involve the physical spilling of the blood, so the expression shvichus domim seems to be inappropriate. So why is that looked upon as the crucial way of describing murder in Jewish terminology? So Rafutna explains that the apostle describes the dam as the nefesh. However it works, whatever the secret is, the blood is the place where the nefesh is expressed in the person's, in the human's body. The dam represents your nefesh. And he says what shvichus domim is, is the separation of nefesh and guf. Of the higher component of man from the lower component. Of the tzura from the choymeh. Obviously that expression can only be used in the context 
of a human being and not in terms of an animal because an animal doesn't have a nefesh to be shofech. So the shvichus domim is to take away the nefesh from the person. Nefesh is a higher being of who the mensch is. That's what shvichus domim is. Now, in terms of the way you can cut the nefesh, there's two possibilities. Because there's a kasha. If the whole point of Malbim Pnei is his b- face is drained of blood, when a person assaults him, his friend, he also drains his face of blood. You can get blood out of a person without killing them, but wounding a person isn't considered murder. Yet embarrassing him is. What's the chiluk between the different blood loss of embarrassment to Ritzicha. So, Rafut explains that when you have two things which are connected to, which are t- tied together, there's two ways of destroying the connection between them. The one way is you can take one, the bottom part which is tied to the top part and simply destroy it. And therefore there's no connection because there's not a second thing to connect to. The other way of doing it is you can untie the knot so that the two are separated. What Busher does, the kerch of embarrassment is, it doesn't mevatel the guf, so mimele there's no kesha to the nefesh, it takes the nefesh and it pulls it away from the guf, so that the two are temporarily separated. So that's a complete disruption of a mensch's being. When a person is cut, so then what you've done is you've weakened the one part of this connecting point, but you haven't taken the connection away. Whereas when you untie the connection, even though that untying is a temporary and it will be retied again, but at that point in time, you've destroyed the entity in its entirety. When you wound someone, you don't kill them because you don't make a hafrodah gemurah by nefesh leguf. When you embarrass a person, you completely mafrid the nefesh from the guf, and therefore that's a retzicha. It's a retzicha which creates an, a very, very... Um, the tikkiyas the, amazing the which occurs there afterwards is rapid. But that moment is a retzicha. Because it does a pu'ulis retzicha gomor. There's a complete retzicha. Just like when your person kills someone else, he completely creates a breakdown of the knot between guf and nefesh, so too when a person embarrasses someone else, he completely rips the guf and the nefesh apart. How does that work? The embarrassment comes about when a person does a maisa, which is inappropriate for the nefesh hayakara that he is carrying with him. He has a nefesh, he has a neshama, and that neshama is the higher component of himself, which uses the guf, be'etim, as a vehicle for expression. Embarrassment comes about when your maisim are not a reflection of that nefesh ayakara, but they're a reflection of something which is much lower than that. So when the low part of you is emphasized, the experience of that is you feel ki'ilu, through this maisa, your nefesh has become disconnected from your guf. What Matan Torah did to the Jewish people is it created a kavada Torah, which meant that the weight that Torah bore with it wasn't just a list of instructions and information gathering to give over what the Abishta was. And, and what was attached to it was a completely uh, a mammoth of covet. There was a covet, there was a weight, there was a depth, there was a huge value 
the greatest value conceivable attached to it. That came about through the Mahmud, not through the Diburim. The Mahmud created the weight. That weight that a person carries translates into the way he acts in regard to mitzvahs. If he regards to mitzvahs with that weight, so then the engagement in mitzvahs is saturated with vitality in life. And the Averis Hadava, when a person doesn't do a mitzvah, so then he feels as if the life of the mitzvah has been taken from him. He feels as if there's no life there. Ki'ilu, when a person engages, since since Matan Torah, what we said as follows, that the problem, let's say, that we're suffering from is a, is a bland Shmir Samitzvah. What the Zechiras Mahmud Harasinai does is it creates a vitality to the Shmir. It gives it life. When a person is over an Aveya, which is the polar opposite of the life involved in Torah, he comes about and he uses something, not only doesn't he perform the mitzvah with its entirety, but he actually does connect the Torah. So that feeling is the ultimate opposite experience of life. It's the most, the most empty thing he could possibly ever do. In doing so, he makes the furthest disconnection between the covert of Torah and the mice itself, which creates an embarrassment. Internally, he's embarrassed. Without Matan Torah, so a person would feel bad if he did a chay. With Matan Torah, since a person realizes that's where, that's, that has the gushiness of life attached to it, so when you don't do that, the covered, the weight, the, the, the import of the miser, which is experienced in a very powerful fashion through your fulfillment, and when you don't fulfill it, when you over it, so then it's not that you did something wrong that there's going to be a consequence for. It's that you become shocked, you become absolutely pained by the fact that something which is a basic component of what should be done hasn't been done. That's felt on a real level. Okay, now I realize that there was um, maybe too ethereal and vague to... I didn't express it well, but what I'd like to point out needs a lot more eon into exactly the different parameters of what this... But what is a hundred percent experientially true as well as directionally in what we're doing in our Voida is that as long as we don't access the two components of Koyachazikoran there is very little hope that we can have in creating any type of vitality in our mitzvahs because if you work in your Voida outside of an internal context so then it's almost as if the avoider will be dry. In order for us to infuse some type of three-dimensional component, some type of color into what we do when we are over Hashem, the only way we can do it is through in awakening the Zechira, in awakening the Godless of Muhammad Har Sinai, in awakening the understanding of the lambdas of what we're doing, in understanding the practical applications of what we're doing, and dealing with that concept, life starts to speak to us. So it's interesting that the two different koichas of the Koran, I think, are working in two different ways. One is w- creating a context for what you do. In other words, because I have this internal memory of a gigantic event like Muhammad Har Sinai, Therefore, my maximum are different. And the other one, that gives a different dimension from an upward point to a downward direction in terms of the mice that you do. And the conceptual memory invests the 
way you carry out life, the way life speaks to you with new dimension. If I'm thinking about prite protim in avoidus Hashem, for example, what is the shear of Havah? Someone comes up to you and they ask you to, can you lend them some money? And you have 10 shekels on you and you've got 50 shekels in your dera. And you say, how much do you, need? Do, you, do you need? And they say, I need 80 shekels. So, are you mechuyuf to go get the 60 shekels from your dera so you've got 70 and then borrow another 10 to give it to him? Or can you say, look, I have 10 shekels on me and you're not mechuyuf to have the tercha? How long is the shear for? But this guy says, I only need it for 15 days. Can you be covey that man and take it from him? What happens if he says, I need it for two years? Can that also be legitimate? Perhaps not. Perhaps if you give it for him for two years, I call if you rave a And therefore, if you give him the money for two years, it means you're deprived of the opportunity of lending other people the money. And the more it is, you can do the better. Two people come to you. One is in desperate situation. He needs $1,000. Five people come to you, each needing $200. The one who's, 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 who needs a thousand dollars, so he's on the brink of collapse financially. So there's another mitzvah of exacto boy. But then you're only doing one mitzvah of where the others, you've got five mitzvah of Which one takes preference? So these are poshut shaylish and miyoyimim. So when you're in the when you're in the asik of chesed, so then life starts to speak to you. And my says not 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 that when someone comes to you and they say, "Do you have ten shekels? Do you have fifty shekels? Sorry, nothing." Life starts to speak to you. There's a mitzvah, he's my chover, what can I do for him? How can I do it? If I should do this? And it becomes a living, living, deep sugya. So that's when the life, the concept gives richness to the life that comes towards you. The event gives richness to the life that you output, to your hanokas at filling. When you put on filling, maimed har sinaidik, yetzias mitzrayimdik. When you say shira sayam, before you say shira sayam, and you feel yourself walking in between the waves as they split and you see these gigantic columns of water rising on either side of you so then when you say it's got a completely different sound than if you're doing it because you're trying to get to your stomach before the chazan it's a completely different world but that's an output so the two components of the Koran are the two crucial factors that we need to get the gishmak that we don't get bored in avoida we don't get bored and we have to be very scared the deepest problem in today is boredom you partially it doesn't mean anything and everything else gives you all those things but intravenously if it, all, all, all the world is gauged that it gives you all these bonus you need all the practicality you need all the color you need all the excitement you need so when you're trying to develop an excitement from sitting in a shachris there could be nothing more boring but if you use a koyach azikaran there could be nothing more exciting and it's real it's much more exciting shira sayam shma shma tefillah shmona esrei tefillah shmona esrei oymet difna shechina which shechina? the same shechina that was showing in Harsinai the same shechina that was showing in the base of Mikdash the same shechina it's lo yuman it's lo yuman but if you don't have the zikaran so then the, the Akhle Ramchal says what happens is you lose the feeling of life. The way he says, is, says it is as follows. You know what you need to do. If you don't put effort into studying there, you'll see the details of the applications of what, you've, what you know 
but you won't see them. What will you see? Nothing. What will you be? Bland, bored. Yavor alayhem, you'll transgress him. you say, sorry, I don't have 10 shekels. For the there'll be no agosha because there's no sugya of Ben Adam in your life. So I think that now, in relation to our I think it's poshut. That one of the things that we have to work on is a clean avoider, perhaps more than anything else, are these two krechas of krechazikaren. We have to look for, again, it's a process, baby steps, bedrochim, and ways of doing it. And without them, we are almost setting up our avoider Hashem for boredom and blandness. Yeah,